um, right there on the screen. If you want to take your Bibles out um, or your phones or your tablets, we are looking at the New International Version of the Bible. And the text is right here. Here it is. The Bible says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around who, everybody? I don't know if you can see it, but his name is Aaron and said, Aaron is Moses' brother, come, watch this, examine this, y'all, analyze it. Come make us what? God. God, little G, who will go before us, ask for this fellow Moses who brought us, this is a terrible, oh, what a terrible perspective. Ask for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Bible goes on to say, Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. Bible says in verse 4, he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, this is about to get buck wild, y'all. I'm going to tell you, just watch this. These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Lord, have mercy. Verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, uh, uh, go down <laughs> because your people. Now, did you just, anybody just catch that? <laughs> did you just catch that? He's like, all right, now, since they claiming you, he said, your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become what? They become corrupt. Go on, verse 8. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Verse 8 continued. They have bowed down to it. What else did they do, everybody? Sacrifice to it. and have, Somebody said, have mercy. You're right. And have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Bible goes on to say, verse 9, I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are they stubborn. Uh-huh. Difficult. Verse 10, now leave me alone <laughs> so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. We don't like to look at this picture of God. Then I will make you into a great nation. Translation, look, Moses. This is what I can do. I can kill all them, and I can still keep my promise, but I can just do it through you and your family. Watch this right here. If it was me, I'd have been like, all right, let's make that move. <laughs> Verse 11, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people? Mm-hmm. Oh, is it, is it pause? All right, all right. Sometimes it freezes up. Verse 11, I look at this and say, uh, whom you brought. Oh, yeah, 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 you're good whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. Verse 12, why should the Egyptians say it was evil, it was with evil intent that the Lord brought them out? In other words, Moses is kind of like bargaining with God. God, hold on a second. If you do this, then everybody that noticed that you saved them is going to say, oh, the only reason why he saved them is so he could kill them, to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Let's keep going. Uh, turn from your fear, saying, he's talking to God, relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Somebody say amen to that. Verse 13, now here's a key word. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore. In other words, you made a promise by your own self. The Bible says, I will make you, that's right, covenant, I will make you 
your descendants, as numerous as the stars, Moses still talking to God, in the sky, he's quoting to God what God said to them. And I will give your descendants all this. And I, the land promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Verse 14, then the Lord relented, he pulled back, and did not have mercy, going back, and did not bring on the people the disaster he had threatened. Amen. The title of our, our message today is uh, Spiritual Ratchetness. Spiritual ratchetness, all right? Spiritual ratchetness. Now, I'm, I'm going to try to explain as best I can. I prayed already, so we're just going to get into it. Go to that next slide for me, uh, sweetheart. Stay with me. Go to that next slide for me. Uh, the word ratchet, rat, ratchetness. I'm not trying to be blasphemous. Honestly, I really was kind of lightweight, you know, like I don't even know if I should go here, but I'm just going to go here anyway. Uh, anybody know what, it, what ratchet is? Anybody ever heard, you heard it? You may not know what it is. Okay, good. I can... I can give you a little, little school today on urban conversation. Uh, this is how they talking nowadays. Uh, well, the word ratchet usually evokes the response that you see on the screen. If you, if you see something that is ratchet, it evokes the look that you see on this brother's face. Like, did they just do that? Did they just say that? Did they just do what I thought they did? All right, let me break down to you what ratchet is. We're not talking about a tool. Go to that next slide for me, sweetheart. Go to that next slide for me. Uh, number one, first, first definition of ratchet. This is from the most reliable dictionary in the entire, on the entire Internet. It's called the Urban Dictionary. <laughs> or the Urban Dictionary. Right, the Urban Dictionary. Number one, uh, ratchet means to be low class. You call somebody ratchet, somebody does something ratchet, it essentially is... This is a more personified, intensive word other than calling somebody ghetto. You call somebody ghetto, that's one level. You call them, am I telling the truth? Somebody? If you call them ratchet, they have reached a whole new level of low class. Are you with me now? We clear? So to call somebody ratchet is to simply say you got no class whatsoever. Number two, number two, and you're rude about it. You, you're being hood and disrespectful and having no class and you're doing it like it's the right thing to do. <laughs> number three, number three, it's the idea of shamelessness. All right, so let me give you an illustration uh, of, of, of how you can. Now, I, I, I typically, people all the time are sending me stuff on Facebook and saying, Pastor, you need to use this as an illustration. The only problem with Facebook, guys, is that I just don't know what's reliable and what's not reliable on Facebook, okay? So just follow me for a second. But in this case, when I saw this particular story, don't know if it's true, can't prove it. That's the thing about Facebook. You don't know. It could be true. It could not be true. But this looked true, and I don't know how you could deny it. The, per the people in the story, uh, we'll leave nameless <laughs> because we don't know their names, but we don't know. So anyway, so I'm watching Facebook, and somebody sends me a video. And they say, Pastor, you need to check this out. So what happens is there's a wedding, and at the wedding, there's a couple. And the couple is in the part of the service where they are sharing and exchanging vows. It's the husband's to be's turn to express his vows. When he starts expressing his vows, there is somebody in the audience, a woman, who interrupts the service and begins to announce that she had been with the groom-to-be last night. 
She said, I'm his mistress. <laughs> Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. And she went on, and you can just hear the disdain and the shock in the room. They kept trying to go forward with the service. She wouldn't let them. She went so far as to say that not only was he at my house last night, but before he came here this morning. Brothers and sisters, that's ratchet. Y'all hear? That's, that's right. Let me tell you, that's ratchet on so many levels. It's ratchet for that woman to go there and do that. Guilty or not, that, that you, that, don't, don't nobody do that. The other thing, though, is, is that was kind of ratchet on his part to clown his wife-to-be in that way. The whole situation was just bad. But that's what we're talking about when we're talking about ratchet. But in this particular passage of scripture, go on to the next one for me. In this passage, we see a similar kind of ratchetness. Somebody say ratchetness. All right. While God is exchanging and solemnizing his marriage with Israel. While he's doing it. As a matter of fact, uh, the particular context of this passage is God has just rescued. Are y'all still here with me? I promise I'm going to. God has just rescued his people, a bunch of slaves, from slavery, and he did it with a man named Moses and a stick. He subjugated and humiliated the most powerful nation on the planet, and he literally destroyed and disrespected all their false gods. Every act of the plague was literally, wasn't just plagues. God wasn't just trying to get on their nerves. God was literally sending a message to the Egyptians that I got your God. You worship the God of the Nile, so I'm going to destroy the Nile with blood. You worship frogs, I'm going to put frogs everywhere, and I'm going to kill them. You worship flies, yes, they did, and I'm gonna, that's kind of crazy. And I'm going to kill, I'm going to send uh, so many flies that you ain't going to know what to do. You worship gnats, ever, down the list. You worship the sun, I'm going to make it so dark that you can feel it. You worship Pharaoh, now I'm going to humiliate him by killing ev all, every one of the firstborn sons in all of Egypt unless there's blood on your doorpost. So understand, I want you to understand what's happening here. God is not just doing a bunch of miracles to impress people. He's specifically sending a message to his people and Egypt that I'm more powerful than your fake gods, which there are no gods other than me in the first place. Are y'all feeling me now? After he does that, he liberates them when they really don't want to be liberated. And the first thing, let me just rehash, the first thing they do when they get saved the first thing they do is start complaining. Now, here's the thing. He just delivered them through water. The first thing they complain about is that they don't got no water. And the, and the Lord, the whole time, check this out, y'all. The Lord, the whole time, is simply trying to remind them of this. And I don't want you to miss this. The whole thing that God's simply trying to remind them of this is this. That it's not Moses who led you out. It's me. Are y'all still here? If you read your Bible and look at this story, the constant conversation and the constant friction between God and his people was this. They would blame Moses. They'd say stuff like, Moses, you brought us out here. Moses, why you do this? Moses, why you do that? Aaron, why you do this? And Moses would be like, ah, oh, y'all need to chill on that. I didn't do anything. 
it was the Lord your God. And to give evidence to this, the scripture says that they physically had a cloud by day leading them. Are y'all Bible students in here? And they had fire by night. The cloud, I don't know if y'all can imagine this. Imagine a cloud literally big enough to protect them in the middle of the desert so that there was no sun on them at all. And then at night, just when the temperature got cold enough, that cloud would morph, would morph into fire to keep them warm. So they had a visible, stay here, y'all. They had a visible evidence that God was leading, but they would not give God the credit. They always gave Moses the credit. So, so skip down. I'm setting you up here. I'm setting you up. Skip down. God now says, all right, we got them at the mountain. We've gotten through a little bit of the test. They've, they've complained enough. Now I've got to teach them how to become the kingdom of priests that I'm making them. Now, if you'll just pause for a minute, you need to understand the reason why God took them out of Egypt into the wilderness was essentially to teach them about himself and to make them into a nation, a kingdom of priests. In other words, God takes us out of where we are to take us to where he's trying to take us. But before God can get us, stay here, everybody, before God can take us to where he wants to take us, there's some stuff God's got to do in us. There's some stuff God's got to do in us. And one of the things I've been saying to you over and over again is do not despise the process. Stop being so in love with the product and where you're going that you despise the process that God is trying to work out in your life. There are some things that God has for you you ain't ready for yet. Come on, say amen. You're not ready for them yet. So what God has to do is God's got to work Egypt out of us even though we're out of Egypt. Are y'all still here? Come on, please stay with me. I promise I'm going God took them out of Egypt. The problem is, is just because you remove somebody out of a neighborhood, just because you remove somebody out of a relationship, just because you remove somebody out of a predicament, doesn't mean that the predicament did not have an influence on their minds and their hearts to the extent that just because I'm out of Egypt doesn't mean that Egypt is not still inside of me. And so God says, I got to get them out because there's some stuff I'm trying to do inside of them. I'm, I don't want to linger on this too long, but somebody needs to thank God right now that you are going through what you're going through. The reason why. One of the things I'm so full today. One of the things that God is trying to teach me to do is to stop complaining so much, to stop whining all the time. If, if you could see what God was trying to do in your life, you wouldn't whine about all the stuff you're going through. God is trying to protect you from stuff. That's why you're in the wilderness that you're in. There's some stuff God knew you weren't ready for. He doesn't want you to blow the blessing that he has for you. So he has to allow you to go through process. Somebody say process. So that you can receive the promise. So watch God. God's like, okay, I got him where I want him. And listen to what he says. Set up. This is all set up talk. The Lord says, Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Just quick Bible question, Bible students. What's in Exodus chapter 20? The Ten Commandments. Now, most folks think God just threw some rules at them. He said, live like this. This is what God did. I'm quoting. Exodus 20 verse 1 says, I, the Lord your God, have bought you out of the land of Egypt. That's the first thing he says. I, the Lord your God, have bought you out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage. You didn't catch that. In other words, before God asked them to do stuff, God told him what he had already done. These weren't a bunch of rules. These were a bunch of responses. 
In other words, because I did this, I expect this. Anybody got children know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I was getting in my kids the other day because I asked them to do something, and they caught an attitude. And I'm saying, see, you, you, you can't even relate to what the Bible is saying unless you have children that get ungrateful sometimes. I know your kids ain't ever ungrateful, but for those of you that have them, you know what I'm talking about. Are y'all hearing me in here? Like, who are you talking to? Like, I mean, what nerve do you have to complain because you got to mop the floor? Do you, do, are you serious? Do you know there wouldn't even be a floor if it wasn't for me? Do you know there would be no clothes on your back if I didn't exist? I shouldn't have to contend with you. And my kids have this thing where they're always calling out fairness. Well, they say, well, Taylor, and they can't, and they're like, cool. And by the way, PKs hate this because they know their fathers always use them in illustrations. I'm scarring them for life, right? This is kind of like, yo, like, how dare you raise up and try to make excuses for why I asked you to do something? Understand now, God is saying to them, look, I just set you free. So in response to me setting you free, as a response of love, have no other gods before me. As a response of love, have no graven images. As a response of love, don't take my name in vain. As a response of love, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As a response of love, honor your father. These aren't, God is saying these ain't rules. This ain't a list. This is a response of love. When somebody does something nice for you, what do you say, everybody? You tell them thank you. In other words, God is saying, I'm not giving you rules. Stop looking at me like that. What I'm giving you are principles of what I've already done for you. And, and I, the Lord, your God, have brought you out of the land of Egypt. Watch what God is doing. God is essentially saying, look, you thought it was Moses. It wasn't Moses. It's me. I want to be in relationship with you. I'm the one that has been there for you. I, I want you to know, don't stop looking at Moses. If it wasn't for me, Moses wouldn't be here. Moses was a murderer, and I called him out of the desert. Understand for a second, I, the Lord, hear the heart of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hear his heart. Don't see a rule-giving God who's angry and wants to get us every time we break a rule. See a God that's saying, I brought you out. I saved you for this purpose. I redeemed you. I pulled you out of situations you couldn't get yourself out of. Come on, do I have somebody in here right now? Look back over your life for one second. Think of where the Lord has brought you from. Stop walking around feeling so guilt-ridden because you didn't do this. Think about the love of Christ. The Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. Even in the Old Testament, God is saying, it's me. It's not Moses. Stop looking at Moses. I, the Lord your God, I brought you out. Now, 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 watch what happens. After this passionate appeal. Now, has my wife come back in here? Praise God. I got a story to tell real quick. Uh, no, it's all right. You know this one. It's humiliating, though. But y'all know I'm a sucker for that. Man, have you ever poured yourself out to somebody and got rejected? There was a girl before Shanae. Now, let me say something here. Now, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm just going to tell it like it is. I, I didn't have problems. I don't think I'm Denzel. I just know how to talk. I, I, I just I know how to carry myself. Oh, come on in here, somebody. Ask, ask Beyonce and Jay-Z. Jay-Z ain't no Denzel. But he can spit lyrics. Come on, say amen. 
I'm just telling you, that's a side note there. I'm just I'm helping some brothers out there. You think it's your looks. It's how you carry yourself, brother. Carry yourself. So anyway, so in my mind, I'm kind of feeling like, I'm, your boy is kind of like, yo, I'm like, I never had an issue with this. I'm pretty confident that if I show her who I am, I'm pretty confident that if I, if I, you know, I made up my mind because I was like, you know, I ain't going to do no game. Some of you have been here. You know, you're like, I ain't going to try to, I ain't going to try to spit game. I'm not going to spit game means like, you know, anyway, <laughs> ask somebody. I'm not going to try to spit game. I'm not going to game her. I'm just going to be straightforward. I said, man, you're beautiful. You're gorgeous. And I just, I just feel like there's a possibility that we could, we could do something. I mean, you from what I've seen, you look like marriage material. Let's chill. Let's settle down. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Just me and you. Church folk, they like, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, what is he talking about? Yo, so, listen. Listen, man. Homegirl dissed your boy. I, I'm telling you. My, 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 my boys ha- are still to this day making fun of me like, dude, you, she, she didn't give you the time a day. Now, I just want to make an aside right now. Uh, you know, the Lord has to block some things in your life so you can get what God has for you. Come on, say amen. See, I got to fix it now, right? Hey, I was shooting low, but God had higher for me. Every closed door over here is an open door over there. Are we good? We good? We good? All right, we good. All right, all right. So watch this. So, so check this out. And by the way, in the year 2000 at General Conference, by then, I, that was the year I got engaged to my wife, and my wife and I were walking around at General Conference, a big gathering, all the folks here, and she happened to be there. And when she saw me with Shanae, then she was trying to act like she was interested in me. I'm just throwing that out there. Some, sometimes people don't want you until they see that somebody else wants you. I just, Lord, have mercy. I know we ain't talking about relationships, but I'm just preaching the word. That shade right there. That's ratchet. Come on, say amen. <laughs> and so listen now, I'm illustrating. What I'm trying to show you is, is that's kind of how God was with the children of Israel. The Ten Commandments was God's way of saying, yo, let's chill. Let's settle down. I brought you out here because I want to know you. I, wanna, I want a relationship with you. I didn't bring you out here to kill you. But I also didn't bring you out here for you not to trust me. Every relationship's got to have trust. I'm not, I'm not, I don't got time for you to be worrying about if I'm doing this or I'm doing that. I've proven, thank you, Jesus. I've proven myself. I just pulled, I, the Lord, your God, just pulled you out of slavery. You can trust me. Why are you so fixated on Moses when I'm the one that did it? Now, while God is doing that, as a matter of fact, contextually, contextually, oh, I just wish you could see the richness of the theology in this passage of Scripture. Currently, while God is, God is personally speaking to them, when God gave the Ten Commandments, many of us, hey, y'all watching the movies, they confused you. When God gave the Ten Commandments, he didn't give them to Moses first. He spoke to the entire congregation. Did y'all know that? Uh, uh, I don't have time. I don't have time. I just, I'm all over the place with my slides. So let me tell you, when you get a chance, read Exodus 20. Uh, go find that verse for me. Exodus 20. It's in my presentation. Thank you. Exodus chapter 20, and I believe we're going to scroll down to like the 20s. Let me show you what happens. The amazing thing is God is trying to get in relationship. 
It's like he is with all. He's like, I want relationship with you. And watch this. After God just utters relational commitment. That's what the commandments are. He utters vow. These are marriage vows. They're standing at the altar. And they go get a mistress. Now, before they got the mistress, look at their mindset. Exodus 20, verse 18. The Bible says, when the people saw, this is after God gave the Ten Commandments. When the people saw the thunder, oh, you got to catch this. Oh, I love the Bible. When the people saw thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled. Next verse. Is it froze? Uh, okay, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance. Verse 19. Watch this. Now, this is a trip. This is a trip. They, dude, this is the same thing that happened to me in 97. <laughs> and said to Moses, uh, Moses, speak to us yourself, and we'll listen. But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. Moses was like, uh, don't be afraid, y'all. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. So watch this. God is like, I'm the one who brought you out. I love you. As a matter of fact, here are some principles that are going to make you a kingdom, a nation. You're slaves now, but you're about to make a come up. You go, I mean, the whole world is going to be watching you, but I got to build you up to what I have for you. And while God's doing that, at the end of his vows, they're like, uh, that was a little too much. Like the whole mountain on fire and like all that passion. Uh, Moses, we're not trying to deal with that. Am I telling the truth? Uh, Moses, can we deal with you? Are y'all seeing this? Moses, we would rather deal with you than to deal with him. That's Bible, right? Don't, am I, am I still, is this Bible, right? Moses, Moses, I don't, that's a bit much. He's doing the most. Kind of afraid of all that. But I'm more comfortable, oh, I'm saying something right now. Moses, I'm more comfortable dealing with you instead of with God. Fast forward. Moses, God is just like, you, I mean, come on now. Anybody's ever been rejected before? Nobody in here except me. Anybody's ever been rejected before? Like, you're just like, if you get rejected really hard, it kind of messes you up after that. You almost start second-guessing yourself like, man, I don't know if I can have anybody. I mean, yeah, come on, man. Like, think straight. Like, no, that was just one rejection. Move on. But, you, but in the heart of God, when you have just set folk free, when you've just blessed and delivered, and wow, Moses is in the mountain. He goes back up to get these commandments. God could have ignored them then, but he said, no, let's put this thing in writing so they'll know that I'm for real. While Moses is in the mountain, one week goes by, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five, six, seven. We get now to about day 39. And this is the first time since being out of Egypt, stay here, y'all, that they have been without Moses. Now, mind you, the pillar of God's cloud has rested on the mountain. They know God has not gone anywhere. But they're not tripping because God is still there. They're tripping because they can't see Moses anymore. Am I, is this Bible? 
let me show you. Go to chapter 32. Go to chapter 32. You might be able to find it. I'm going to give you three reasons how they got into this situation. Uh, just go to the next one. I think the next one will be good. Yeah, chapter 32, verse 1. Watch this. Let me show you exactly what happened. I'm going to get out of your way. When the people, read this, y'all. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming. You see that? Uh, from the mountain. They gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, the scripture says we don't know what has happened to him. Do y'all see what just happened there? In my mind, I would be like, now especially Aaron, that's your brother. The text goes on to say that Aaron is told by the people, yo, we don't, like, we don't know what happened to your brother. So in my mind, we brothers, like he should be crying, like he should be grieving. But this is your boy Aaron. Uh, Aaron, we're sorry, we don't know. We don't know what happened to Moses, but we've got a plan. <laughs> He's been gone for a long time. Oh, I think you guys should wait. You know, God had made a promise. He made promises to us. He's kept his promises, but this is different. We're talking 40 days here, Aaron. Aaron, come on. Think about it. Do you see the mountain? Look at the mountain. It's on fire. Aaron, who can live in fire? Aaron, Aaron. Okay, so Aaron, this is what we're going to do. Aaron, and, I, and this is Aaron right now. Aaron's like, well, may he rest in peace. My time has come. And he's waiting. He's like, oh, so Aaron, what we need you to do. He's like, okay. I got a spot. I'll lead him. We need you to go and make a God. Look, this don't got nothing to do with the sermon, but this is, ain't this a trip? Ain't this ratchet? If Moses is gone, why not ask Aaron to take his place? They had no confidence in Aaron. They said, look, We'd be better off with this than to have you be our leader. Can I lean on this for one second? This is what the world is saying about the church. Don't get, don't, don't get nervous now. The world has said, we'll take agnosticism. We'll block people. They ain't going to church no more. They'll say, we'll take atheism. We'll, we'll go Islam. Because church folks, Christians, are fake. I'd rather go here because I can touch and feel and see this, but I'm struggling with Christians who on their job, I, I didn't even know they was Christian. They come to family reunion and they turn up just like the rest of us. They gossip and badmouth people and get in folks' business and stir up trouble just like everybody else. Why would I want a God that has people that act like this? If that's, if that's how they act, that must be how their God is. They said no to Aaron. <laughs> like He had to be like mortified. Like, no, not you, Aaron. Just make us something that we can worship. Now, here's the point I want you to see, and I'm going to sit down. This is critical. All this time, ever since I've been preaching this, uh, this elder, elder, elder Maddox, I thought that the golden calf, I always thought that the golden calf was a replacement of God. And so, you know what most people say? Oh, this is a sermon about idolatry. No, it's not. This is not breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other gods before you. You know what they said? They said, hold on. Moses is gone. He was our go-between to God. Since he's gone, let's replace him with this. They weren't trying to replace uh, God, 
They were trying to replace Moses. Lord. They were fixated on a man, a representative, instead of a God that just tried to marry them. And I'm saying to myself, do we not see this in modern church, in our modern culture? People, they're not dissing. There's some of us in the body of Christ. We're not rejecting God. We just don't want to deal with him directly. We want a preacher. Which we think that the preacher is supposed to be closer to God than we are. Like I've got some direct access. Do you not know that the Bible says that the just shall live by faith? In Romans 5 verse 1, the word of God says we are justified by faith. Therefore, hear me now, we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And the next verse says, therefore, we have access to the Father. In other words... There's nobody in here right now that's got some advantage, that's got some. Stop talking about how much your grandmother loved the Lord. Do you love him? Stop talking about, and, and see, a golden calf also represents uh, the stuff that we love more than we love God himself. We love traditions. We love the way we think church should be done. But we don't love the word of God. And most of us have not a working definition of what church is or what salvation is or what the word of God is. But we're pretty comfortable just doing what we've always done. Just give me something I can touch, Pastor. Tell me what to do. What are the rules? Well, I just tell you, we don't want to, I don't want to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. I don't want to fast. I don't want to pray. I don't want to lay before God. I don't want to wrestle in the scriptures. I want to, I want to scroll on Facebook. You preach to me. You teach me. Give me a book to read or something. I don't, and the Bible is boring. I, I just can't get into it. What we are essentially doing is building a golden calf not to replace God, but to replace a way to God. The Bible says there's only one way to him. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, come on in here, church folk, and talk to me now. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. But guess what? Jesus is God. So I don't have to go through somebody to get to him. I simply talk to him. The Bible says, come unto me, all ye that labor. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I need somebody to understand right now that no matter where you are, what you've done, where you've been, you don't need a doctrine of ministry like me to talk to him. You don't need a master's of divinity. You don't need to have been in church last week. You could have been here last night turning up. But if you want to talk to the Lord, if you want to know him and the power of his resurrection, if you want a relationship with him. I, oh, listen, I, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I live to preach this. There is nothing that you've ever done. There's nothing that you ever did. There's nothing that you're in right now that will cause God to stop loving you. If you want a relationship with God, you don't need me to pray for you. You don't need an elder. You don't need red books. You don't need a denomination. You don't need doctrine. What you need is some faith. The Bible said it is by faith that we enter into the presence of God. You just need to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Get rid of this golden calf. The Bible says that when Moses came down from the mountain, he was so disgusted at what he saw that he grind, they grind up that they ground up this thing and he put it in the water and made them drink it. Not as a punishment, but Sean, so that they could see that these things have no power. Tradition had no power. Rules have no power. Oh, I'm about to get into something right now. 
The law of God, the commandments have no power. The power is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I got to move. I, I want to get to my main point. If y'all want to hear the other points I made, you got to hear first service. Uh, get me down to Galatians. Get me down to Galatians. I want, okay, let me summarize very quickly what I'm saying. Read these texts to get out of your way. What was their problem? Fear, impatience, and idolizing Moses. And so they concocted a scheme. Stay here, y'all. They schemed. See, when you get impatient, anybody ever done something dumb because you were tired of waiting? See, when you get impatient, you are vulnerable to do something dumb. And so what they did is, I, I, I got to be very clear on this. Listen, this story is about righteousness by works. They weren't trying to get, replace God. Please don't miss this. They were trying to replace a way to relate to God. God's there. They say, I don't want to deal with him. I want to deal with something I can feel. Something I can touch, something I can measure, something where I can say, I'm doing this, they're not doing this. So here's a, here's a, here's a modern day application. Thank you, Jesus. Please hear me, guys. There are very few churches and denominations preaching the gospel. They're preaching prosperity. And how's that working? Ten years ago, they preached prosperity. Your blessing's on the way. Touch three people. Turn around. It's on the way. Ah, ah, ah. Listen, let me ask you this. And you know what's on the way? All your children have left the church. Let me tell you the stats now. Out of every ten kids, seven will leave the Christian church. And in many cases, it's 85%. There are three to 4,000 churches that close every year. And I'm going to tell you why. One reason. There's probably, oh, this reason that we're in the pastor, there's one reason. The Bible says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here it is. For it is the power. You know why we're dead? Churches are dead. People are leaving because we have ceased to preach the gospel. We don't want the gospel, which is Jesus. We want something else. I'm going to show you what it is. In Galatians. It tells us what the modern-day golden calf is. The Bible says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Verse 2, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? Paul is talking strong, isn't he? After being, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? Watch this, verse 5. So again I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard. Verse 6. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Stay right here. Let me just explain to you what's happening. I'm almost done. 
Let me tell you what's happening in our modern world. It is human nature to want to fix instead of faith. And this is what I would do when I would preach. I would just go, y'all ain't doing this. Y'all ain't doing this. Y'all not doing this. Y'all not doing this. Y'all going to hell. And the Lord showed me, Brother Watkins, that I was not preaching the gospel. I was preaching works and law. The Bible says, by the works of the law will no flesh be justified. Translation, being a good person, doing, following all the rules, keeping the Sabbath, not committing adultery, all that list that we have made instead of a response can not save us. And so we got a generation of people who will not come to church because they don't think that they can measure up. And the truth of the matter is you can't. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But look at what Paul said. Paul said, how foolish can you be to think you can earn your way to heaven, to think that you can be good enough to be saved. It's not your righteousness that will save you. It is the righteousness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, I don't need this. I just need him. And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. When you are saved, the commandments, you don't even know you're keeping them. And you're keeping them. When you're in love with Jesus, then the, the, the obedience is a byproduct of my relationship with God. Oh, I got to tell about myself again. You know, I love this marriage thing. So, so, so when I got married, looking back, now I didn't feel this way then. So uh, don't, don't trip. Amen. Amen. I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know I was this far off. Though. When I first got married, at the end of the day, I was just doing what the vows said. I was just doing the rules. That's it. Well, you're not supposed to cheat, so you don't do that. I love her. Yeah, I love her. But let me tell you what has happened. See, my wife and I have been through so much together now. It's beyond vows. It's love now. No, we've been through some stuff. And we've come out. So it's not like, oh, well, I'm just doing this because I wake up in the morning. Y'all remember that sermon I talked about the list? You know, I'm, I'm like waking up in the morning, oh, um, take out the trash or uh, do this. Or, and now every day ain't like this, but I'm just telling you, it's, it's, oh, oh, be nice to her. Oh, uh, um, uh, be kind. Oh, say hello. Uh, give her a hug. Uh, pray for her. She's going through. Stop trying to fix everything. No, see, 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 when you're in love with somebody, see, this is what God is trying to create. And this is what the world needs to hear. The world doesn't need to hear if you got to get right. How in the world you going to get right without him? I'm, I'm so, I'm so, I mean, people, this is what people, this is the number one reason why people don't come to church. Because I got to get myself together. Pastor, I'm going to come back. But see, I ain't really been in church for a while. And, you know, I just kind of, you know, y'all pray for me. And once I fix some stuff, I'm going to come. That's, the Bible says by the works of the law, fixing your stuff. Doing the right thing. Getting better. How, how's this sound? Jesus is the one that saves you. And what you're basically saying is, I'm going to save myself. Then I'm going to come to him. This is a dangerous doctrine. And we have preached and taught this until people have become as dry as the hills of Geboa. And we have produced a generation of people who feel that their own righteousness can save them. We even feel this. 
Yeah, God saves me. I have faith in him, but I got to help him out. We say stuff like, I got to do my part. That's a lie. You only have one part, believe. Hallelujah. Oh, that that bothers somebody. Let me show you. Go to the next verse. I'm going to show you right now. Now, this is a dangerous text, y'all. Watch this. This is the golden calf. Works, works, merit. I got to appease God. God's mad at me today. He's, he's not, no, I've been real bad. Uh, I had sex out of, outside of marriage. So uh, God is mad at me. Oh, I did this. I got high last night. God mad. Now, understand, God's love never changes. The, the love of God never changes. No. Somebody taught you that he's mad. And he's happy. Even in this passage of scripture when God got mad, if you study it further, you'll discover that God was simply showing a side of him that he thought that they already understood so he could reverse it and show that he was not. As a matter of fact, Moses went to God and said, Lord, he's like, dude, don't kill him. Don't kill him. God wasn't going to kill him. God was just trying to test Moses to see if Moses really believed that that's the way he was. But Moses said, no, 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 I know that's not who you are. (laughs) Moses said, no, show me your glory. Show me who you are. I know he said, that's not who you are. Let me appeal to your favor. Let me appeal to your grace. Let me appeal to your mercy. Let me appeal to your long suffering. And God said to Moses, hallelujah. God said to Moses, he said, Moses said, I want to see you, God. Don't you you leave us down here. Don't you leave us by ourselves. Don't you kill us. I know that's not who you are. That's what Moses said. I know that's not who you are. I know that you are kind. I know that you're compassionate. I know that you are long suffering. He said, show. Oh, I love this. He said, show me your glory. You know what he was asking? He was asking an impossibility. He said, if it kills me, I want to see you. The Lord said, all right, you want to see this? He said, go stand in the corner behind that rock. And he says, I'm going to cause. Now, now whoa, whoa. He said, I'm going to cause my glory. Lord have mercy. In other words, I can't just show up all of me. Because if I show up all of me, the whole mountain gonna explode. Matter of fact, if if you know they say if the sun moves just a half of a millise a millisecond off, then all of us would either freeze to death or burn to death. What God is saying is if I put too much here, I might not just kill you and the nation, but the whole planet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cause. You're not worthy, but I'm going to cause my glory to pass by you. You want you want to get close to me? I, I know you're a murderer, but I love you so much. I will never come unto me, all ye that labor. Call on my name, and I will come near where you are. I will cause my glory. The Bible says Moses went and tucked himself in the corner of the rock. And the word of God says that the glory of God. Now watch this. Oh, this is oh, this, this is such heavy, heavy theology. It's just the, the word of God is rich. Now watch this. I'm expecting that some crazy, miraculous thing is going to happen. But then God starts speaking. He said, instead of, instead of a great theophany, it's a deep word to saying he walked by. Instead of walking by, he spoke. And this is what he said. He said, you want to know who I am? He said, read it when you get a chance. It's in Exodus 33. He says, he says, I am the Lord, full of loving kindness, full of compassion, full of tender mercies. He says, I will punish. He said, I will punish the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation. But don't get it twisted, Moses. But I'll show mercy to thousands. Young people hear what I'm telling you. you that, your God is not mad at you. Your God is madly in love with you. He said, I'll show mercy. Oh, can I get some help in here right now? Anybody know he'll show mercy? 
Anybody know he'll look past your faults and see your needs? Anybody know you don't need this? You just need to go into him. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter into his court. But I'm nasty, Lord. Come. But I'm dirty, Lord. Come. But I'm a wretch, Lord. Come. But I'm despicable, Lord. Come. But I'm a lie, Lord. Come unto me. Oh, you the labor. Now watch this. We have taught too long that doing equals righteousness. And we go around making people feel bad because they ain't doing stuff. They couldn't do it if they tried. Let me tell you something. There ain't nobody in here ever kept the commandments. Nobody in here has ever been good. Nobody. Oh, I'm preaching Bible. The Apostle Paul says in Romans the third chapter, which has become my favorite book of the Bible, the Bible says that no one is righteous. No. And then he says, no one. No one has ever been righteous. If God loves you, it stands to reason it's not because of you. If God loves you, it stands to reason it's because of who he is. As a matter of fact, the very nature of God is love. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, for God, Alan, is love. In other words, God is not loving. God does not love people. God is what he is. He, if God ceased to be love, God would cease to exist. But God is love. He will not change on that. When the Bible says that he will never change, it's not talking about how we do church and how we do this and it's the music then. When the Bible says Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever, it's saying that he is love will never change. No matter what you've done, thank you, God. No matter where you've been, no matter what you went to, no matter how many times you did whatever you did, he says, I will never change. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Have I got somebody in here right now that knows that your God loves you? The golden calf of the church is giving people a concocted man-made version of righteousness and salvation. You cannot save yourself. The church can't save you. Whether the church has an organ or whether the church has a band, whether the church has a pastor with a suit on or whether the church has a pastor with a tie on, none of those things mean a hill of beans. At the end of the day, the thing that saves, the thing that redeems, the thing that washes, the thing that cleanses, the thing that makes us right with God, the just shall live by faith. Let me end on this. For all, watch this, guys. This is Bible. Some of us have been raised, some of us have been raised not to fear God, but to be afraid of God. The only thing that has power, the Sabbath does not have power if it doesn't have the gospel. Not stealing doesn't have power if there's no gospel in it. You better praise him, brother. Because when you come to realize that your God's love does not change, it is unconditional. You don't even know what that is because nobody in this world has ever loved you unconditional except God. Watch this. Watch this. How much time do I have? Let me wrap this. Oh, I got to show you this. I got to show you this. It says, Galatians 3.10. It says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. If you're trying to be good and do to be saved, you are under a curse. As it is written, 
Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, verse 11, no one who relies on the law is just, don't move. Is just, I want y'all to get that. We tell our kids, if you're a good boy, Jesus is going to bless you. Let's, 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 okay, let's tell what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you're good or bad, you're blessed. We see, we don't, we don't want to tell people that because we feel, well, if you tell them that, they're going to feel like they can do whatever they want. But no, 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 brothers. <laughs> brothers and sisters. No, no, no. The Bible says the love of Christ constrains us. What makes you want to serve the Lord is not compliance, but love. I got to tell my testimony. After, after, after taking my wife through hell, with an addiction to pornography. The thing that turned everything for me is when this woman looked at my sorry behind and said, I'm not going to leave you. I'll walk with you through this thing. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from doing what it is. Well, if she tells me to run through a brick wall, you don't. You weren't there when she found me. You didn't feel what I felt when she wrapped her loving arms around me. You don't know, oh, Lord God, when somebody loves you, you give your life to them. That's what God is trying to tell you. That's why the majority of our people come to church and go home and do nothing because they're not converted. They're not. Let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not. Well, they're just not committed. No, they're not committed because they're not in love. When you're in love, you're not checking off a list. Well, I did this today. I read my Bible. I prayed. When you're in love, you're trying to figure out, well, I mean, I've been talking to him all day. Uh, my, I can't, my Bible's always open. Uh, there ain't nothing he can't tell me to do. But see, when you're in compliance, then you're always looking for just, I'm going to do just this much, and then God will be pleased. Keep going. Clearly no one who relies on the law because the righteousness will, the righteous will live by what, y'all? What's your job? Believe. Believe that he's going to keep his promise. What's his promise? His promise is this. I'll save you if you trust me. I'll love you if you believe me. And whether you believe me or not, my love ain't going to stop. As a matter of fact, even hell is the love of God. It's God saying to somebody, I won't force you. I won't control you. Oh, somebody need to hear that today. Some of y'all in relationships and it's all control. It's all manipulation. But, but, but love ain't manipulation. Love says, you can kill me. I ain't going to stop you. I'll let you make a choice. As a matter of fact, I got a place reserved for you since you don't want to be with me. And you want to go there, so I'll let you go. Go to that next one. Go to that next one. Now, I want to end. I'm going to end with one of my favorite writers. I'm going to end with one of my favorite writers. Faith and Works, page 18. Stay right there, Willie. Uh, this is the golden calf. I want to be very clear. What's the golden calf, everybody? The golden calf is thinking that we can do things to earn God's favor and be saved. That, like, oh, it's Easter, so I'm going to go to church. And so I put in Easter, I put in Christmas. No, listen, because I don't want anybody to feel condemned. If somebody's here today, praise God. But I want you to know that by doing this, it doesn't make God love you more. You could have stayed at home. See, oh, 
and God's love would be just the same. There's, there's, a, there's a group of people in the church that want you to know that because they want to control your behavior. Watch this. This is my last one. We're going we to get out of here. All right? Watch this. The danger has been presented to me again and again of entertaining as a people false ideas of justification by faith. Pause. Pause. Go back. Go back. Go back. Don't just go to each slide until I give you the signal. The danger is what? That false ideas would be disseminated in the church of justification by faith. What does that basically mean? Of how one is saved. Essentially, that we've got to be good enough for God to love us and to bless us. Now watch this. This is from the prophet, y'all. Watch this next one. Go to the next slide. I have been shown, oh Lord, you know that's important when that's said. For years that Satan would work in a special manner to confuse the mind on this point. Don't move. Did you hear what? Okay. Revelation 12, 17 says this. It says that the dragon is going to make war with the remnant. Watch this. Those that keep the commandments of God and have faith in Jesus. What is the war that he has declared? The Bible tells us what the war is. It says that he will cast down imaginations and every high thing that it saw exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let me be very clear. Satan ain't trying to kill you. Satan is trying to kill in your mind the idea that you are saved by grace through faith. Satan would work in a special manner to confuse minds on the point of how I'm saved. Next one, next one. The law of God, uh-oh, uh-oh. The law of God has been largely, rules, has been largely dwelt upon and has been presented to congregations. Preachers have done this. Almost as destitute of the knowledge of Jesus Christ and his relation to the law as was the offering of Cain. You know what that was? That's what I used to do. Y'all need to get right. How many sermons we heard like that? Get right. Jesus is coming. That ain't, ain't nobody changing. I mean, look, Donald Trump is the leading candidate of the, Repub of the, of the Republican Party. You think that'll scare some of us? Ain't nobody scared no more. Hey, y'all, ain't nobody gonna get scared. This generation ain't scared of nothing. They'll blow your brains out and ask questions later. Ain't nobody going to get scared on that stuff. There's only one thing that's going to motivate. It says we've been presenting the word without Christ. Go on to the next one. I have been shown that many have been kept from the faith. This, I'm telling you why churches are empty. Why people ain't going no more. I have been shown that many have been kept from the faith because of mixed, confused ideas of salvation. Because the ministers have worked in a wrong manner to reach hearts. The, the point which has been urged upon my mind for years is the imputed righteousness of Christ. Is there another one? I don't know. In other words, go ahead. People, pe people are afraid of God. They don't really want to deal with him. They want a preacher. They want rules. They want traditions. And when you take those things away from them, they all out of sorts. 
And so they say, I got to replace it with something else instead of realizing that you go straight to Jesus. The Bible says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. Come here, come here, Raw. Come here, Raw. Let me show, let me show this. Come on up here. Raw is the center. Inside and outside. But look, look how look how good he looks. Center. So so, but 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 people don't know Raw struggles. Now he he keeps it up so y'all will, because really, at the end of the day. Raw's not really as concerned about what God thinks as much as he's concerned about what you think. So he has learned how to pretend to be a good person, but knows in his heart he's not. But see, he's got a problem. He's got a psychological issue. The issue is this. He thinks God is mad at him. He thinks that he's, he's, he's got to do some stuff, that God is pleased when he's good. So Raul is just working. He's working. He's working. He's working. But he's failing. Anybody know about that? He's failing. He's failing. It doesn't feel real. He, he, he's worshiping, but, but he just hands are up, but there's nothing in the heart. Nothing. It, you know, church is boring. It's just, I mean, the whole scene is just, I just don't want to go to hell. That's kind of where he is. And then what, then what happens is, is Jesus, hold this for me, Raw. Jesus, Jesus says, Raw, look, let that go. That's your righteousness. That's, that's your righteousness. And, and the Lord comes and, and tries and, and, and takes it from him. He takes it. He takes it. And for a minute, he's like, I'm believing God. I'm trusting him. But then Raw gets impatient because he doesn't see progress as fast as he wants to. And what does Raw do? He goes and gets it again. And the Lord is just like, come on, man. Come on. He doesn't get it. It's, it's not by works. As a matter of fact, if you're, if, you're, if, you're on the, if you're trying to do law, you're cursed. How many, how many have discovered that when you try to do the right thing, that evil was still present with you? Oh, but I wish I could tell y'all some stuff today, but I, I feel like I'm already gone too long. Man, I'm tell, let me tell you something right there. Man, I have made the biggest mistakes in my life after preaching. So because you had a good day and did some good stuff for God, doesn't mean all of a sudden you done reached cloud nine of your relationship with God. Here's what I've discovered. That the people that are the closest to God are the people who have the greatest awareness that they're not. The Lord says, wrong. I'm going to take this from you. And instead of this, you can have me. Yeah, I me. Mean, but see, he's a little uncomfortable with this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unfamiliar. It's awkward, kind of. Like, you know why? Because I'm not used to trusting something I can't see. The Lord, and the Lord is just constantly like, I love you. The Lord keeps blessing him. Raul is not where he needs to be, but the Lord wakes him up in the morning. 
Raw, Raw, Raw did some stuff the other day. He was mean to his wife. And he got hot-tempered with his kids, and, and he was too proud to say he was sorry. And the Lord, and the Lord continued to keep his blood flowing through his veins, and, and, and the oxygen keeps on flowing. And the Lord, and the Lord is whispering to him in the midnight hour, "I love you with an everlasting love." Raw, don't quit. Don't give up. Lord, Raw, hang in there. And at some point, go ahead and throw this thing. At some point, Raw realizes that that doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You cannot save yourself. Your Sabbath keeping doesn't work. Your coming to church doesn't work. You need a savior. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Thank you, my brothers. Let's pray. Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit. Somebody needs to know the freedom that comes when you're in Christ. Is there somebody here today? You in church? I don't, it doesn't matter. I just want to know if somebody wants to enter into his love all over again. Would you just stand? You just want to enter into his love. You just want to enter into his love. You don't want any replacements. You don't want anything in your way. You want to enter into his love.